2: Welcome to episode three of Wannabe Walk Ons, a Nebraska football and craft beer fan podcast.
1: Each episode, we will sample craft beers, both local and beyond, while sharing our unique brand of Husker Insight. We encourage you to follow us at Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Wannabe Walk Ons for the most up to date show information. And please subscribe to the
2: podcast on your favorite podcast platform or listen to each episode on wannabewalkons.com. I'm Ben, and I'm joined by my co host and all around good guy, Drew. So what have we got planned for today's episode?
1: Well, on this week's episode, we are very excited to announce our new show partner. Uh, we continue with our 2021 Nebraska season preview with the Huskers Big Ten East crossover opponents. And Ben and I sit down for an interview with 80% of the Jukes family uh, from Jukes Aleworks. He's Ben. And that sultry sound is Drew. And
2: this is Wanna Be Wannabe Walk-Ons. We have got a doozy of an episode today, an absolute doozy. Drew, wouldn't you agree?
1: I think doozy is the absolute correct word to use that. Yeah,
2: I mean, if you're on a scale of one to doozy, this is an absolute... <laughs> doozy with a capital D. Yeah. So to get today's episode started, we need to talk about the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild.
1: Yes, we do. And we don't want to confuse it with the Nebraska Arts and Crafts Alliance.
2: Absolutely not. I would never openly talk about those basket weaving cross-stitchers. Oh,
1: All right, I'm, so- I'm sorry I brought it up. Uh Back to the Guild. Give me a second, okay? The
2: Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. Let's get back to them. They're a professional organization, unlike those arts and crafts people, and they foster a Nebraska-centric community that is actively creating the most business-friendly climate for craft brewers.
1: The Guild's purpose is to advance the craft brewing industry in Nebraska through promotion, advocacy, and legislation.
2: So to basically stop sounding like an advertisement for the Guild, there's someone that we actually really deeply care about. Their goal is to get more people to support local breweries and drink Nebraska craft beer.
1: Which is exactly our goal, too.
2: Their goal is our goal.
1: Um, so, should we tell them? Oh, hell yeah. We are excited to announce that Wannabe Walk-Ons is now the official Nebraska football fan podcast of the Nebraska Craft
2: Brewers Guild. We have been busy at work since the spring to bring this partnership to life, and we couldn't be happier to support the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild mission. Drew, every single brewery that we have interacted with has been so focused on Nebraska as a community, their small little niches, their corners of the earth, and making sure that people feel welcome in these breweries. And I know that's why you and I both love Nebraska craft beer and craft beer in general.
1: Every brewery that, and every brewer, everybody involved with the brewery, all of them, they, they're so deeply rooted in their communities. Um, there's, a, there's a real love, a real passion for for where they're from. Um, they, they support things that go well beyond... Brewing and beer and and all that it's just it is it's all about community and um, that's what interested interested us in doing this podcast in connecting with Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild and connecting with breweries. It really shines through in all their work and and we can't be more happy to continue Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild mission.
2: Yeah, one of the things that we're trying to accomplish with this podcast is to uh, explore and celebrate Nebraska Craft Brewers so that people who maybe don't drink craft beer but care a lot about Nebraska football might bridge that gap. They might come over from drinking their domestics and give a try to someone who's local in their community. But also, we want to introduce people in the craft beer industry who may not be big football listeners and build that bridge as well. So we're trying to lift up these two communities that we really, really love and really care deeply about who we would probably both agree kind of formed who we are as people.
1: Yeah, we think if, I mean, if you're in Nebraska, if you're Nebraskan through and through, then you'll support local, right? And and um, Nebraska football is purely local. Nebraska craft beer Purely local. So two and, beautiful communities. And
2: right now, I believe the last time that we spoke with the director of the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild, she told us that only 6% of the drinking population drinks Nebraska craft beer. And if that could, number could just go up to 10%, can you imagine how many more jobs that would create for folks, how many more businesses that would create? And not just for the breweries themselves, but the surrounding businesses. Um, when we went to Big Hair Brewhouse and they were having their opening weekend, there were people from out of state who knew a new brewery was opening up. So they made the trip out to Hardington, Nebraska, just to have a beer. And so these places do more than just make money for themselves. They make money for these communities. And the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild really supports the growth and the marketing and making sure that people are drinking local. So we are so excited to have the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild on board. And we want you guys to know that our show will not change in its format or substance. Instead, we're just going to use our partnership to continue highlighting the people and communities who bring Nebraska beer
1: to life. Yeah, and the the Guild will help us grow our audience by delivering our show to new listeners across their various platforms as we work together to get more people to drink local beer.
2: And that's all we really want. What's that? To drink more beer. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll drink to that.
2: Well then, tell me, Drew. Cheers. What are you drinking?
1: Sure. I am drinking a Jukes Aleworks Without It We Die IPA. Um, this is just your, uh, good old American IPA, uh, very nicely hopped and, uh, not too bitter, not too aggressive. Uh, if you're into the IPA scene, Jukes has got you covered. And they also sent me home with an electric nectar, um, and that's a triple IPA. So if you're a guy like me, you love the IPAs and you like to go big, electric nectar is where it's at. That one's going to be, uh, it's going to be hitting you pretty hard with the ABV. It's not going to kill you with the bitterness. It's actually a really flavorful IPA, so... Uh, what about yourself, man? What you got there?
2: Yeah, you know, I decided to to start, I guess, with a dessert beer, uh, so to speak. I'm drinking Hot Button, which is Jukes' attentions-paid brown ale. Uh, but it's aged over a heap of caramelized bananas, uh, vanilla beans, Saigon cinnamon, brown sugar, and uh, cocoa powder. And let me tell you, the cinnamon and the bananas, I mean, it's like a liquid bananas foster. Um, but it's not something towards cloyingly sweet. There's a really nice hoppiness that comes in from that brown ale that really cuts through everything. So you start with that sweet on your palate and then it finishes with a nice bitterness. Nice. And,
1: th- and what I like about Jukes is they do a lot of just the classic examples of beer, right? They do a really great pe- pills, uh, really great cream ale, but then they also love to experiment and throw in those those ingredients that, that you know get people excited.
2: Yeah, a little bit later in the episode, we're going to sit down for an interview with uh, Jukes Aleworks. And when we went there to actually sit with them and talk to them, They gave us a really nice sampling of their beers that were on tap and everything they put on the table. You didn't even have a chance to sit and talk about it because it was so good. It was going down so smooth. I mean, it was a really, really great experience. We look forward to you guys hearing that interview later in the episode. Absolutely. I guess let's say cheers to Jukes Aleworks, but also let's say cheers to the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild and the new partnership that we have. So cheers to everyone all around. Here we go. Cheers. All right, Drew, are you ready to talk some football?
1: Yeah, let's let's talk football.
2: All right. On September 25th, Nebraska will make their way to East Lansing, Michigan to take on the Spartans of Michigan State. The game against Sparty will mark the first of three Big Ten crossover games against the East Division. Kickoff is currently to be determined, but thanks to Nebraska Initiative 430, I would and can bet on this game starting at 11 a.m. on a Fox affiliate. The Spartans are led by Mel Tucker in his second season. Prior to his time at Michigan State, Tucker was presumably held against his will for a season as the head coach of the Colorado Buffaloes. In one season under Mel Tucker, Michigan State went 2-5, but their two wins came against their in-state rival, the Michigan Wolverines, and the Big Ten West champs, the Northwestern Fightin' Fitzes. This will be the 12th time these two teams have met, with Nebraska holding a significant advantage of 9 wins to 2. That said, during his single season in hell, Mel Tucker led the Buffaloes to a come-from-behind overtime win against the Huskers, giving him an all-time record of 1-0 against the Big Red. 2020's only bright spot for Michigan State was their run defense, and with all four of their starting D-linemen to return and 60% of their overall defensive production, you can expect the Spartan defense to carry their underperforming offense across the finish line through most of 2021.
1: Yeah, that's a familiar Michigan State storyline right there. Yeah, and it hits
2: a little bit close to home as also being a somewhat <laughs> familiar Nebraska storyline for 2021 with a, you know not too many wins and defense kind of being the, the star of the show.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Shall we true or false it?
1: Yep, that's my favorite thing. Let's do it.
2: (laughs) All right, so true or false. Michigan State is 15 years into the world's longest continually monitored scientific study and has a scheduled completion date of 2031.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm going to say it's true and I want to know what the study is. Okay, it's false. Wow. Michigan State is
2: 142 years into the world's longest continually monitored scientific study and has a set completion date of 2100. Holy cow. Let me tell you about Dr. Beal's seed viability study. Human seed? (laughs) Uh, No.
1: Okay, I was going to say you can sign me up, but never mind. In 1879,
2: when Michigan State was primarily an agricultural school, botanist Dr. William James Beal set out to answer how many times do you have to pull up weeds before they stop coming back? Herbicides weren't invented until 1896 and widely available in the US until the 1940s, so pulling weeds was a tedious part of a farmer's job. For the study, Dr. Beale planted a strange crop. 20 narrow-necked glass bottles, each filled with a mixture of moist sand and seeds. Each vessel was left uncorked and placed with the mouth slanting downward so that water could not accumulate about the seeds. The bottles were buried on a secret sandy knoll under the cover of night, and I'm this this is true, remember. <laughs> Under the cover of night, the botanical garden curator creeps out to the same secret knoll and digs up the seed bottle, then plants the seeds to see what grows. The most recent bottle excavation took place in 2020. Of the 22 species of seeds in each bottle, only one, Mothmullion, is still able to grow. A new bottle is dug up every 20 years with the experiment set to conclude in the year 2100.
1: So there, the experiment is to find out how many how many times you can pull up a weed. I feel like... A few years into the study, when the when the pesticides came out, that would have been the time to fold up shop and say, it just doesn't matter anymore. Well, now mm.
2: to our listening audience, they know the difference between an herbicide and a pesticide. Pesticide is for pests. Oh, snap. Okay. Yeah. are so, sides. Oh, man. Everyone, <laughs> oh, no. We're, we're no longer going to be taken seriously as a podcast because yep. you don't know the difference between an herbicide and a pesticide. I'm not a farmer. I'm so not. there you go. Um, Michigan State is conducting a 200-year-old
1: Awesome. Yeah. That's a experiment. That's fine. I hope they make it. So what do you got for your true or false? Okay. So, Ben, everyone knows Michigan State and Notre Dame have a long history as rivals, including the nineteen sixty six game of the century that led to a highly controversial ten to ten tie. But did you know during the nineteen fifty nine matchup, Hollywood director Stanley Kubrick got the crowd in East Lansing to record chance for his epic film Spartacus? True. You probably know that because of movies. Uh,
2: it just sounds like something Stanley Kubrick would do. Yeah. Like Stanley Kubrick would call Stephen King at three in the morning while he was filming The Shining and ask him if he believed in God. Like Stanley Kubrick just did
1: things. He's just a crazy guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he's crazy enough he got 76,000 fans to chant Hail Crassus and I'm Spartacus during the game.
2: Well, I mean, that makes sense. At least he chose the appropriate
1: school. Spartacus party, Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very clear connection there. But that's a good one. That's so. a good. But that's a good one.
2: So what what do you think, Drew? What are your thoughts on on Michigan State heading into the twenty twenty one season?
1: Um, so that's that's a good question because uh, you know I I have faith in Mel Tucker to you know do some good things here. Obviously, Michigan State has faith in him for the for the contract that he was given, mm-hmm. and I think he got put into a tough situation with twenty twenty. You know, being his first year. Um, you know, you pointed out their wins that they had against Northwestern and Michigan. I think that those count for something. They're a little hit and miss right now. Um, Mel Tucker, he's he's brought in a lot of transfers um, to hopefully plug some holes for them and bring them consistency. Their season is going to come down to their quarterback play. Absolutely. To see. Yeah. Um, so they brought in Anthony Russo out of, out of Temple. Assuming he's a starter, he's a guy that that fits what Mel Tucker wants to do with his pro-style offense. He's got some good pieces, I think, around him in the receivers and yeah. the running backs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got an O-line that's that's returning intact. They weren't necessarily the best statistically, but there's continuity there. And, and so they might be able to provide a good front that should help improve their offense. Um, it's just a question of can Mel Tucker get all these pieces to gel together? Yeah,
2: I'm looking forward actually to this matchup with Naylor, Reed, and White in that wide receiver room. Those guys are absolute studs. They're super fun to watch. They're young guys that just go out and play football. And I think they're going to be a good matchup against what will probably be the best part of our defense is our secondary. Um, and so I just can't wait to see how those how those sides match up. Now, you had, you had mentioned slightly that uh, the quarterback play is going to be a question there. So whether or not someone can get them the ball kind of feels like a similar storyline that we're hearing with nebraska as well Is who's going to get our new wide receiver core the ball and and people haven't had necessarily the most faith in adrian martinez i personally don't share that same worry with adrian but i think that with michigan state it definitely is a worry right you got to work out that timing and you got to make sure the play calling is good and um, i don't necessarily see a huge task ahead with michigan state's defense but i think that their offense could come out and surprise some people and, and mel tucker was able to do that at colorado in one year he he had a high flying attacking offense and so um i think that could definitely be something to watch for and, and have some fun with during that nebraska game
1: um yeah they can do some damage um but i think if we're if we're talking about nebraska and where their strength is you know we've got a great secondary and i i, I feel like we can we can hang with these these guys pr- pretty easily if if they are uh if they are what we think they are,
2: yeah, absolutely. Do you have a do you have a score prediction? I do.
1: So I've got Nebraska winning this one 27 to twenty. Okay. Um, I don't necessarily think I'm not comfortable. I'm not comfortable with this game, honestly. But I but I've got it written down as a sort of bellwether game, just with where it, where it comes in. It's a you know, it's, I think it's a fourth or fifth game of the season. Um, it's a team that is is installing a new system. Um, they're still installing all these new players, and we should be to a point where we. We should not be able to, or we should not struggle against a team like this. Yeah, right? this is
2: this is a game where adding that Fordham game, giving us the extra tune-up and the extra time to get timing down and things like that, that's where this is going to benefit. Is when you start to get into Big Ten play, and you go against teams like Michigan State who aren't as far down the line on their schedule. I actually am really close with you as far as uh, win margin. I'm thirty-one twenty-three, so we're only a point difference on win margin. Um, it sounds like we both think Michigan State's going to be able to put up points on Nebraska, that that's not going to be a worry. For them but i think nebraska ultimately is going to get the stops they need um to win the game yeah yeah this is one where you really look at it too and you go whoever makes the least mistakes is going to probably walk away with the win Mm -hmm. Uh, because these are mistake prone teams nebraska with their fumbles uh and their special teams woes in in the past and michigan state with their interceptions
1: yeah well cheers to uh, a hopeful win
2: we're cheersing a lot in this episode but i like it yeah
1: All right, so we're going to take a quick hop, skip, and a jump from East Lansing on over to Ann Arbor here, and we're going to talk about Michigan football. On October 9th, Nebraska will play host to the University of Michigan Wolverines. The kickoff time is still to be determined, just like Jim Harbaugh's future at Michigan, but with the history between these two teams, this game could easily end up under the lights at Memorial Stadium. The Wolverines are led by NFL journeyman quarterback and former owner of the now-defunct Panther IndyCar racing team Jim Harbaugh. In his six seasons at Michigan, Harbaugh holds a 49-22 record with an impressive and ongoing win streak against Fashion Sense with those signature khakis. The Wolverines are coming off a disappointing 2020 season after finishing 2-4 with their two wins coming against Minnesota and Rutgers. October 9th will mark the first time Nebraska has hosted Michigan since 2012 where the Huskers kept Michigan out of the end zone Held them to 188 total yards and won 23 to nine. I'm purposely avoiding talking about Nebraska and Michigan's last meeting in 2018, uh, where some of you might remember the the little beatdown, uh, 56 to 10 win for those Fighting Wolverines. Anyway, Michigan has the advantage of five wins to four all time, but Nebraska holds an undefeated one and zero record at home against the Blue and Mays. Also holds that 1997 national championship rights. With little consistency on the offensive side of the ball, including a new quarterback, along with a new defensive coordinator, this could be a year of growing pains for Harbaugh. The big question for 2021 is, will this team play to their talent level, or will we see more of the uninspired and disinterested football of 2020? Don't be surprised if after this year we finally see Harbaugh's name in the portal.
2: Boom. Got him. Roasted. Nailed it. Nice. Yep. All right, so before we we talk football, Drew. Do you have
1: a true or false question? I do. I do. All right. Get ready for this one. I am. Benjamin, everyone knows Omaha native Gerald Ford played on two undefeated national championship teams at Michigan in the years 1932 and 1933. But did you know during his two and a half years as president of the United States, Gerald Ford banned the president's traditional introduction song, Hail to the Chief, in favor of Michigan's fight song, Hail to the victors. True. Almost. Oh, man. Technically false. So he didn't ban it outright, right? But he did have the Navy band play Hail to the victors instead of Hail to the Chiefs whenever he was in Michigan doing state events.
2: Oh, okay. Well, that's fair. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, pump up the home crowd. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Makes makes Gerald Ford sound like one one of the folks, one of the people.
1: Yeah. Did you know that he was the only... Um, the only person to ever to be vice president and president, but not to be elected to either office. I
2: I, I did not know that.
1: You know that? That's true. Oh. Yeah.
2: Bonus <laughs> fact. That's a good one. Yeah,
1: that's fun. And it's also, you know, Gerald Ford, Omaha, Nebraska. A yeah. little, little connection there. Absolutely. So true
2: or false, true. Michigan football's most famous and distinguished alum, Tom Brady, is known as the ultimate competitor, and his desire to win has been described as a, quote, sickness by former teammates. True or false, Tom Brady once gave a pep talk to his team in a charity football game against a group of firefighters.
1: I have tried to learn to have some sort of respect and to like Tom Brady over the years, you know, because he's one of those people who's so good, just so good and brilliant. He's a beautiful man, right? Like, he's got a beautiful wife and a beautiful family and a beautiful life. He's got it all.
2: Um, He's
1: exactly like that Talking head song. Yeah. Did I just quote that? (laughs) I think so. (laughs) I might have. Um, how did I get here? (laughs) So, man, that sounds like something that a hyper competitive individual would do. So, yeah, you think it's true. Did he do it?
2: Yeah, he did. Oh
1: man. Did they win? (laughs) Did it work?
2: (laughs) I would, I would guess it did. Um, I, uh,
1: probably because it was Tom Brady was their quarterback had nothing to do with the pep talk. But yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. Uh, Bill Belichick called the game. So I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, so it is true. Other examples of TB12's extreme competitiveness include breaking ping pong paddles, throwing backgammon boards across rooms. And when playing a game of first to drop the ball, you know, that game that you play like when you're a child, Brady will throw the ball as hard as he can from five yards away. All of these examples have been either corroborated by teammates or have multiple sources.
1: So that's not being hyper-competitive. That's just being an asshole, right? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of both. That, yeah. What? You How, just, are you ever competitive like that in, in any any aspect or any field? Um. If my wife beats
2: me at putt-putt. And and that's only because the last time that her and I golfed together, she quit on the seventh hole. And I was having a really nice round. And anytime she beats me at miniature golf, I'm like, you have no respect for this game. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of assholes I do bring my own putter though you bring your own putter I bring my own putter to putt putt.
1: yeah that's a real Tom Brady move yeah yeah well I yeah so looking
2: ahead to the Michigan game I have a lot of questions for Michigan um, but the biggest thing that jumps out at me is that Michigan is a talented team they recruited a high level but they've yet to play to that level under Harbaugh period Um, they're consistently second or third in the Big Ten recruiting but they never seem to live up to it Um, So this year, Michigan brought in a lot of talent in the transfer portal, including a running back and a quarterback. But these are unproven commodities, and they're areas, I think, where Michigan was severely lacking as well this past year. They had nothing that was explosive on the run game. Their quarterback play left a lot to be desired. And so um, I think that they do share a lot with Michigan State in that regard, where there's a lot of of openings, there's a lot of question marks, and there's a lot of turnover in Harbaugh's staff as well. Uh, And maybe that's part Harbaugh, maybe that's part just... They don't want to be there anymore and they want to move on.
1: Yeah, and I I agree with you there. Um, You know, Michigan and Michigan State do have a lot in common. But the one big difference is that Harbaugh is in his seventh year now and Mel Tucker's just getting started. So Harbaugh's got these big question marks. He, He was supposed to be the quarterback guru. He's going to be the guy that brought success to that position. And he's never found anything consistent. This year, it looks like it might be more of the same. They've got a little quarterback battle going right now between Cade McNamara, who's the the returner, um, but they also brought in a, a transfer from Texas Tech and Alan Bowman, and then they also have a five-star early enrollee, right? So they've got they've got some options there, but nothing that's necessarily jumping out at you like this is going to be the guy that not only gives Michigan, um, you know, a successful 2021 season, but that saves Jim Harbaugh's job. And on defense, they've actually gotten consistently worse under Harbaugh, right? You know, last year they gave up 434 yards a game. They gave up 35 points a game. They were the third worst statistic team in the Big Ten on that side of the ball. And then they didn't generate havoc plays, which is, you know, one of those things that a lot of defensive coordinators are after right now, like Eric Chenander, right? If your offense isn't explosive, um, if you don't have that consistent quarterback play and your defense isn't there to bail you out, yeah, you're going to end up with a losing record and have a, have a long, long season, so...
2: That being said, they could very easily flip a switch and be a much better team than they have been in the past few years, and that is because they recruited a high level. They have a lot of high-caliber players. You mentioned uh, they've got a five-star quarterback recruit. He's not the only five-star that's on their campus. They have the kids who can get the job done. So this isn't a game that you overlook and go, oh, Michigan's going to have a losing record. They could very easily flip the switch, and this could be the year that that lightning strikes.
1: You know, Nebraska's kind of in a similar boat in a lot of ways. I mean, we out-recruit the West every year, but we underachieve. You know, we're all sitting around waiting for that uh, switch to get flipped, and I think it's the same thing for Michigan.
2: What do you have as a score prediction? How do you, how do you see this game shaking out as a little little too early of a prediction, not seeing either team play? Um,
1: at first, I, I had this marked down as a loss. I dug into it, I drank a little bit, and I, I talked myself into a victory for Nebraska of a 33-28 score. Wow. Okay, so the reason that I got myself into this mess is looking at Michigan's schedule. They're coming off a road trip to Wisconsin. Potentially they're 3-2 and two because they've got that Washington game early on in the season. They've got a bye week following the Nebraska game. So I feel like they're just going to be trying to get to that. And then they've got a really rough back half of the schedule that they're going to be looking at. And so I feel like everything just kind of lines up. They're breaking in a new defensive coordinator with a new defensive scheme. We all know here that switching to the 3-4 defense, not an easy task. I just I just feel like all things are kind of coming together where Nebraska can catch them.
2: I like the sound of that. I do disagree. I think that there is the potential for Michigan to flip the switch, and Nebraska just hasn't shown me what I need to see yet. Now, when we get to this game in the actual season, I may have a different feeling for it. But right now, I do have this as a loss I have it as a 10-point loss, 37-27 Michigan. Nebraska just hasn't averaged the amount of points that it takes to typically beat a team like Michigan. They've they've sat around 28 points per game, and they haven't really shown big flashes except for in games like a Fordham-style game until I see Nebraska put the product on the field to where they can win. And I think that if we go into this game with only one loss, and that's to Oklahoma, yeah, I'm changing the way that I feel about this. But until then, when we're talking too early and in the preseason, um, I guess I just didn't drink enough.
1: We can fix that right now.
2: So switching gears for just a second, we did decide to crack open another
1: pair of beers. And um, Drew, what are you drinking now from Jukes? All right, so I've, I've cracked into their Elkhorn Haze, which is a, a hazy rye IPA. And this one, I didn't really know what to expect. I've had a couple of like rye PAs before, but this this guy's got locally, locally grown hops. It's got a triple pearl and comet hops from Christensen Hop Farms. And this is a mind blower for me. This is a cool one. You know, the ride comes through, it's like you're drinking bread in a good way. But then those hops are it's 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 fresh. If you've ever smelled just hops fresh out of the bag, that's what I'm getting. A lot of lot of pepper, a lot of spice in there. And if you want to break from that normal kind of like citrusy tropical type of IPA that you normally expect, this might be right up your alley. Excellent. How about you, man? What you got? Yeah, so I
2: switched gears from the brown ale hop button and I am drinking the daily routine, which is a sour that is just absolutely loaded with different flavor profiles. This to me um, tastes like unsweetened iced tea that someone dropped lemon heads into, and it is puckery, and it is sour, and it's a little bit sweet, but then you get the tea um, that is added to the brew, and it kind of mellows everything out, but you're still kind of getting that mouth drooling, kind of cheek hurting sort of pucker feel that you expect from a good, fun sour. So I really enjoy this beer. This is really kind of, my mouth is watering as I'm talking, but this is really, really really nicely layered. And I really enjoy that. Um, hopefully that, you know, once I kill off a Crowler, I can still talk.
1: Yeah, it's a good thing. We're to our last, our last football team here to discuss. Right? Yeah. And then
2: we get to sit back and listen to a nice interview with Jukes. So um, well, let's do that then. Let's move into um, our final crossover game of the East division in the Big Ten. And that's Ohio State. So on November 6th, Nebraska will face their final Big Ten East crossover opponent when the Ohio State Buckeyes travel to Memorial Stadium to take on the Huskers. A kickoff time is yet to be scheduled, and your guess is as good as mine. The Ohio State Buckeyes are led by Ryan Day, who won the hearts of Husker fans in 2020 when he celebrated Nebraska's effort to play ball. Day took over as the Buckeyes' main squeeze in 2019 after serving as interim head coach to start the 2018 season. Ryan Day is 23-2 and two when donning the headset and is undefeated in Big Ten play. The Best Damn Band in the Land's Opening Act had an impressive 2020 campaign going 7-1, including an absolute dismantling of Clemson with their lone loss coming in the National Championship game against the Gumps of Alabama. Kevin Warren's favorites have had Nebraska's number holding a stout 8-1 and record against the Huskers. Their last trip to Lincoln resulted in a 48-7 victory, and last year's matchup also ended in Ohio State's favor, 52-17. Fortunately for Nebraska fans, we got them right where we want them. Ryan Day coaches a disciplined, intelligent, and talented team. He replaces high-profile talent on both sides of the ball, but as an NFL farm team, Ohio State is used to that by now. With some luck and a mistake-free game, perhaps Nebraska can pull off a 2017 Iowa or a 2018 Purdue against a national
1: champion contender. Mm, what do you say to that? When you're talking about, you know, looking ahead, we got to play this team. Fuck. <laughs> What do you got? I mean, what do you, where's, give me a little, give me a little uh, ray of sunshine here. Give me a little, little taste of hope. Here's, here's the only taste
2: of hope I can give you. For the first time since the 1950s, Ohio State enters a season with 0% production at quarterback.
1: Who's their quarterback?
2: Great question. So, right now, the frontrunner, CJ Stroud, he had an excellent spring game. He's the touted recruit, he's the guy that looks like he's going to get out there and get it done. But there's no one that is a proven commodity in live action.
1: Okay. So there's a question mark there, right? But there they, is a question mark. But they feel like they have the answer.
2: They look like they have the answer, too. The question is, how fast were they going in the spring game? How long of a leash did they have in the spring game? You know, what was what was kind of going on on that front? I don't see Ryan Day as the kind of guy, though, who's going to slip up and put the wrong guy in, especially at quarterback. I mean, he played quarterback himself in New Hampshire He's a quarterback whisperer. That's what he did before he took over as head coach. So I don't see him necessarily making the wrong decision there, but they could potentially have growing pains. It's highly unlikely they had some seniors come back, like Chris Olave came back for his senior season instead of going pro. He turned down a lot of money to do that. So there is some serious, serious, serious respect that they must have for that quarterback room coming into a questionable season
1: yeah that's a good point I guess that's a scary thing for me is it doesn't almost doesn't matter who their quarterback is even if Ryan Day made a completely wrong choice here there's so much talent around that quarterback position that uh, I mean they can fail and succeed yeah you know
2: so let's hop into some true or false and then we'll we can talk a little bit more about Ohio State absolutely and why they're so much fun to watch (laughs) um when when they're not playing against us yeah and even when they are i mean it's nice to watch a well-oiled machine that's that's a fun thing so i'll go ahead and start it off um true or false drew the ohio state michigan rivalry's roots can be traced back to an 1800s dispute where a michigan farmer's prize pig was caught along the ohio border eating the blue ribbon gourds of an ohio farmer
1: i'm pretty hip to my farming knowledge (laughs) and uh and you know me and farming history we go way back so i'm gonna say that's that's pretty categorically false
2: it's false (sighs) here is the actual reason for the ohio state michigan rivalry so back in 1835 when michigan tried to join the union it laid claim to the toledo strip a 468 square mile region of land on the michigan ohio border ohio believing they had rights to the land blocked michigan's admittance militias would fire rounds into the air towards opposing soldiers in attempt to intimidate or instigate conflict Michigan posses would start skirmishes and arrest Ohioans, while groups from Ohio would form lawsuits against Michiganders. The Toledo War was the equivalent of your buddy holding you back while you pretend to want to fight someone. It was childish and pathetic, and I totally understand why both sides were all in. The only bloodshed of the entire war came when Michigan Deputy Sheriff Joseph Wood went to arrest Ohio Mayor Benjamin Stickney while Stickney was in Toledo. Major Stickney resisted, and his son, 2 Stickney, spelled T-W-O like the number, stabbed Sheriff Wood with a pen knife, and fled to Ohio.
1: I'm sorry to interrupt here. Two Stickney? Yeah. They didn't have Junior back then?
2: No, just two. Okay. T-W-O. Anyway. Um, his brother one wasn't there. <laughs> this dispute worked itself all the way to President Andrew Jackson. Old Hickory worked out a compromise where Ohio received the Toledo Strip and Michigan received the Upper Peninsula, which was an unsettled territory at the time. When Michigan and Ohio State met for the first time in 1897, the Toledo War was within the memories of some still living, and the short-lived border war helped fuel the rivalry between the two teams. And that's—it's like the Hatfields and McCoys. They don't know why they're still mad at each other. They're just like, "I'm not going to use the letter M." It's
1: so like, yeah. It's so it's just like a sibling. It's been it and is and just, Yeah. It's so, sad. and it's just, and then the president stepped in and was like, "Here, have this land. Yeah. You take this. You take that. Just fucking." Come on, we got other stuff going on. It's like when
2: when two little kids like they both want to play with the same toy, and so you have to like give a new toy, and then they both want the new toy. But but Ohio (laughs) is like, no, you can have the Upper Peninsula. We're we're good. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I've been to Toledo though, and I would have taken the the Upper Peninsula. Right. (laughs) All right. What do you got for me?
1: Okay. Everyone knows Ohio State. Football's first game was played in 1890 against the Ohio Wesleyan battling bishops. But did you know Chester Hardy Aldrich was the first captain of Ohio State football in 1886, despite the fact that there was no football team for him to captain?
2: Oh, man. That sounds like old-timey history. That is true. There's no doubt in my mind.
1: That is some sweet, straight-up old-timey history for you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Aldrich captained a team that never played a game, never came into existence. And actually, there were a couple more false teams after him in the years before Ohio State ever played a football game. Um, But anyway, Aldrich, as it turns out, uh, after graduating from Ohio State, he went on to become the 16th governor of the great state of Nebraska. Oh, nice. So there's a nice little tie in there, too. Yeah. Yeah. So He got out. He he bailed on his imaginary football team and came to uh you know if rule, I'm not rule If they aren't
2: going to let me be captain of a fake football team, I'm going to go be captain of
1: a state. <laughs> right. Which was ba- barely real at that time too, so. Very nice.
3: Uh, yeah,
2: there you go. What to you go, Aldrich? Let's get back to talking Ohio State cuz clearly we were both very excited to talk about that as we jumped into it before getting to our true or false. I'm going to be honest, I think if anyone's going to get Ohio State in the regular season, uh it's going to be Minnesota or Oregon. And that's just down to timing. That's down to when they get them in their schedule, and that's down to Ohio State just getting their shit figured out.
1: Yeah, it's it's scary. um You brought up Chris Olave. The number two receiver, Garrett Wilson, is pretty much the same dude with a different name. I looked at, I looked, I was looking at, just looking at stats. Right, I'm gonna give you some numbers here, Ben, and and just prepare to have your mind blown. Okay. Always. Yeah. Top two receivers for Ohio State in 2020 combined for 93 catches fourteen hundred and fifty two yards and thirteen touchdowns. Nebraska football players who caught a ball, not named Wandale Robinson, went for one hundred and five catches, one thousand and sixty yards and four touchdowns. That's a discrepancy. That's a little bit little bit. Even with even if you plug in Wandale's, you know, fifty extra catches and his yards or whatever, like it's still Yeah. The discrepancy remains. Sure. Um, so, so we're talking about a team that's just, like, again, they're just always so loaded with talent everywhere you look. Um, if they're not replacing NFL guys, they're developing NFL guys, or they're keeping NFL guys around for another year just for, I don't know, shits and giggles.
2: You know, the other thing that I want to point out about Ohio State, and and I think part of it goes to, yeah, they've got great receivers, but when you watch them play, the effort that every single player on that field All 11 guys that are out there at any given time, they're they're giving 100%. They are blocking down. These aren't just receivers who can go out and make a catch. They're guys who are finishing blocks. They're guys who are running across the field to make blocks for other receivers. They are really giving it their all to win games. And you can just see this winning culture that's in them. And that's where I have the respect, and I find it fun to watch. You don't just see guys out there trying to go Odell Beckham and make one-handed grabs. You see guys trying to win a game, and that's really fun to watch. And, I, and you see flashes of that with Nebraska too, right? Where you see these effort plays. Fildarius um, Payne comes to mind where like he drops back in coverage and gets a pass block, a pass breakup. It's like, there's some, there's some great effort plays that take place. Um, but Ohio State's doing that on every single down. And I think that has to become a part of who you are as a team and what you believe in. And I think that that might be the momentum and the direction Nebraska's heading But that's something you can look up to even if you don't have that top tier talent. You're not recruiting as the top five team in the country every year. You can still play with that same kind of intensity and that same will to win.
1: When somebody like Ohio State comes out with the talent that they have and with that mentality and that culture and they create what you what you called a well-oiled machine. It is fun to watch. It's hard to watch when you're playing against them. Right. And you you root against these guys because they're. They're just unstoppable. Yeah, they're juggernauts, right? Yeah, and you and you want to. I mean, you want to poke at them and and find a, some way to bring them down. Um, but the bottom line is, yeah, they put in the work. Um, they pair it with their talent. They're a cohesive team. Um, It's not, you know, it's not the rich getting richer. It's just, it's just hard work that's constantly paying off. That's consistently paying off.
2: I will say that if we are looking for. Um, a soft spot maybe, and and maybe a chance to exploit something. Um, I would say that defensively, you have to attack Ohio State's secondary. That is where the numbers tell you they are not as strong as in other areas. Um, Their defensive line could also improve a little bit at getting to the quarterback. They were not the best. They only averaged 2.6 sacks per game, and that does not help your secondary, right? So when you give the quarterback more time, your secondary is left out there on an island they're eventually going to get beat on a break or something like that so those two things if if they improve those two things man that is scary and I think that's where they slipped up against Alabama is Alabama exploited their secondary they know how to throw just as well as Ohio State does they've got just as good of wide receivers especially last year and if you're not getting to the quarterback and he's got time to wait for his receivers to get open they're going to get open they're going to catch the ball
1: Yep. I had those two things marked down actually exactly like you did that, that secondary given up uh 304 pass yards a game. That was the absolute worst in the big 10 last year. It's not something you expect to see out of Ohio state. They still went undefeated in the big 10, right? Like in spite of that. So yeah, they correct that. Um, They, they've got the run stopping ability on the D line, but if they can bring in that pass rush, um, yeah, it's, it's scary. And you don't, I mean, they, they've only got to focus on a few things, right? Like, you expect them to correct those mistakes. Yeah. And so let's let's talk about, well, first of all, what do you, do you have a record prediction for them? Like, what would you actually peg them for? What
2: do I, you expect? What do I expect? I think 10 and 2, to be completely honest. Yeah. Um, I do not think Nebraska is one of those two. Oh, But but that's I, too bad. <laughs> but I do, I do think that Oregon's going to pose a very serious threat to them. I think it's going to be a great game and a fun one to watch. And then Ohio State does tend to slip up at times later on in the season. They haven't had one of those games yet under Ryan Day. Um, but they could easily. As far as against Nebraska, though, I I have a score prediction, and even this score prediction just feels wrong. Um, but it's Ohio and, State winning thirty-seven to nineteen. Uh, if we can hold them to thirty-seven, that's not the worst thing in the world. I would be happy with that. But I feel like one of those numbers is going to be higher, and one might be a little lower.
1: Well, I had I had one. I had actually both numbers higher. So I had I had Ohio State winning fifty-five to twenty. You gave me a hard time. <laughs>
2: About me picking Ohio State, and here you did too. Oh, God. I picked them, and I picked them hard. <laughs> All right. Sorry I interrupted. 55 no, that's to okay. 24?
1: I did it at 55 to 24. I think it's. I think they're going to roll. We get them so late in the season. I have their their record, their season record at 11 and 1. I don't know where they're going to drop a game, but you just feel like, yeah, early on with the Minnesota, they're at Minnesota to start the season. They've got to play against Oregon. One of those two games, I could see them dropping, or at Indiana, Penn State, like you said little teams will pop up on them every once in a while whatever happens that loss i feel like is going to come before nebraska and every single game after that is going to be an ohio state hey college football playoff like committee hey here we here we are just like slamming good old nebraska we're laying up 55 on them because we can and that was with us you know pumping the brakes a little sure. so i feel like that's the situation that we're going to be walking into with with them so
2: well, great. What a positive note to end our, <laughs> our Big Ten East
1: crossover games. This is what happens when you drink too much. <laughs> I thought we were supposed ride, to feel better. Nah, you ride that wave and then it all comes crashing down. Great. Okay, before things get um, too depressing, we'll, we'll cut off the football talk and we will get back into talking about
2: beer. That sounds like a good plan. So the other day we sat down with Terry, Guy, Brad, and Kyle Jukes of Jukes Aleworks to talk to them about their brewery, the Elkhorn community, and... Okay, maybe a little Husker football. But just a little. Drew, you need a refill? Uh, Yep. Great. Well, we grab another beer, enjoy our interview with Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild member Jukes Aleworks. Since September 24th of 2019, Jukes Aleworks has served the folks of Elkhorn and beyond delicious food and excellent beer. Today, Drew and I are excited to be outnumbered by Guy, Terry, Brad, and Kyle Jukes for a conversation about beer, community and maybe even a little Husker football. Guys, thank you so much for taking time on your day off to chat with us. To get going, uh, if you guys don't mind just telling us a little bit about who you are, introduce yourselves, and and what you guys do at Jukes.
3: Well, for starters, I'm Kyle Jukes. Um, I'm the guy who brews the beer here. Yeah, I don't know. I'm the middle child. This is a family-run business, and
0: uh, all I have to say about that. Uh, Brad Jukes here. Uh, I am the front of house manager basically just run shifts, kind of do all the admin work to make sure that we can kind of run things on a daily basis. Uh, kind of came into a role as a manager, not what I expected to do. I expected to kind of be in the brewery to begin with, but kind of needed the role filled, so kind of stepped up and did that. And it's gone all right. <laughs> I want to get back in the brewery a little bit more from time to time and that's what we're working towards right now, but so
2: is there like a territorial situation right now where where Kyle's like, "No, this is my area. Now you have the front of house."
3: No, there's not a territorial situation at all we just quickly realized that the the brewery can function as it is right now um, we just needed a little help up front and brad has actually filled that role very well uh, but we are in the pro- in the process of i guess making adjustments so where brad can get back to the brewery once again uh guy terry
1: do you guys want to introduce yourselves as well yep, I'm Terry. I'm these clowns mom, and I pretty much just try and keep everybody in line around here. You're still willing to claim them as your own, so that's that's something, right? Most of the time, <laughs> we know you're the most important person on the
0: on the on the team.
1: Of course, that's they all given. know that right.
0: Yeah. She wears the pants. <laughs> or writes the checks, whatever.
4: Is it my turn to speak? <laughs> all right. Hi, this is Guy Jukes, and uh, I don't know why the hell I'm here, actually. I never wanted to do this. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it, took, it took a few years of um, discussion to finally make the decision or Terry to decide, yeah, let's do this. So she questions it pretty much every week. However, we have a ball every day. So, right. And the fifth member of the Jukes family is not represented here. Jake Jukes is our kitchen manager. But we're here to talk about beer and football. So sorry, Jake. <laughs>
1: Yeah, let's, let's uh, get into the beer. Um, you know, we're all sharing one right now. We'd love to just hear about the brewing philosophy that Jukes has, and um, do you have certain styles of beer that uh, kind of drive you, or are you interested in creating something uh, just different, inspirational? I think
3: the brewing industry, especially uh, in the United States, is kind of driven off of um, consumer desires or, consum- or where the consumer palate is. Um, which in some cases can be frustrating. You kind of, you have to follow the trends, or or you know, it, I don't want to compare it to the fashion industry, but you have to follow what people want. Otherwise, if if you're not, you're kind of failing as a as a business, right? So, I, I can I can confidently brew styles um, of all sorts. Um, I'm currently sipping our uh, German style pilsner. Uh, it's called Great Day for Hay. It's Literally one malt, one yeast, water, and hops. And it is about as clean and crisp as a, uh, as a beer can get. However, I understand that people also want to drink other beer, and so I have to brew a broad spectrum. The nice thing about that is I have 19 different taps. So I can fulfill, um, hopefully, I guess, anyone's de- desire for their particular flavors they want, profiles, styles, you name it. We do from the lightest of the light to the darkest of the dark and everything in between.
1: Yeah. And I think we saw that when we were selecting our beer, like there is a, a wide range, you know, just to appeal to everybody. Yep. Um, but it's also cool that you're able to still do stuff that, that you want to do. Yes. Um, you can still be creative within those those boundaries of, of what people expect or what they want. So, yeah.
2: I think it's great too when you have such a wide selection, right? You can meet someone at where they are in the day. You I know, Drew, Drew had a flat on the way over here. And, and so, um, what are you drink have a day?
1: I'm, I'm drinking half a day because I'm having a day. <laughs> so yeah. you
2: know, it all it all kind of when you, when you have the facilities to offer such a wide expanse, and you're, you know you inevitably are going to hit the mark, which is which is really nice. Everyone can kind of walk in and pick their poison as opposed yep. to being shoehorned into four options. So kind of going back a little bit on the on the conversation, uh, can you tell us a little bit about why you decided to open up Juke Sale Works and 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 where the genesis of that idea came from? Should we
1: let
3: guy jukes tell the story he is itching
1: i don't he even is, know yeah, if he i don't even know if he's trying to know. pull the he p- mic away. he's
3: gonna fight yeah. you for that mic so. <laughs> he just threw a chair yeah. <laughs> yeah
4: all right so if it's any indication the first beer we brewed was rocky start ipa <laughs> <laughs> terry my wife gave me a mr beer kit it sat in the closet for a year and a half or two years finally thought you know we need to do this so got it out and most of the ingredients had expired so went to the homebrew shop, bought a full new kit, struggled with my kids for, uh, we were supposed to brew it uh, Christmas break. I believe we brewed it February 9th on a Sunday. <laughs> supposed to be there at 9 a.m. They roll in at 11. I'm not happy. I'm like, we're off to a rocky start. We brewed it, um, and it. Meticulously, everything was sanitized about 100 times. Just everything was perfect. The next batch that I wasn't involved with, it sucked. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Get <laughs> out of here. <laughs> he wasn't truly that involved with all of it anyway. But oh, come on. All right. That's true. I brewed the first. I was involved with the first batch. Involved. And, and then I did. I helped a bit. little bit. I was really good at standing around drinking beer while they were brewing in the garage. And uh, I'd make my way back into the air conditioning for a while, watch uh-huh. a little TV. Uh, oh, shout, shout out to Rod Hamblin. Oh, what's uh, up, Rod? Hey, uh, you wearing your whitey tidies, buddy? <laughs> so oh, my we, gosh. We had a a particular uh, brew day in, uh, I believe it was August, and about 100 degrees out, and Rod comes running into our house wearing nothing but his underwear after jumping in our pool. <laughs> no, I think we <laughs> so. were
3: double or triple batching um, stout to fill a, a barrel, and, uh, yeah, it was hot out, and it was a long day, and uh,
4: things got weird. So the question was, how do we start the brew? <laughs> <laughs> Who cares about the question? Isn't yeah, it? right? <laughs> like, Talking about Rod's white underwear. Ram on, so, right? Um, all right, so, <laughs> um, but once we started brewing and just kind of, that changed our attitude towards beer, and we just dove in head first. went a couple kits, and then straight to all grain, uh, went from five gallons to 10, up to 20, and just, and then... I don't know we have 60-gallon pots. It just went insane, you know, quickly. Well,
3: but in the, in the interim, I I got a professional brewing job early on at Upstream Brewing Company. That helped, you know, kind of build my interest in it, obviously. Eventually got a job at Infusion Brewing Company um, very prior, I suppose, to, like, starting the build-out of this building and this brewery Maybe itself, four so. years ago or so? Yeah. So and, yeah, He worked Bill, there for about a year.
4: Bill knew that we were starting our brewery, um, yet he— Still called and said, Hey, can I have Kyle until we until you guys open? Yeah. All we ask is a collaboration. And shout out did. to Dallas
3: Archer for like yeah, being my mentor Bill on the Max. professional brewing scale.
0: So Kyle I mean, he was working full time job and then he'd get done with his job every day and he we were living together at the uh, time. Oh yeah, I was, I was living with Br- I was living
3: with Brad at the
0: time. Yeah, like, and he would come home and study for four to five hours a night after getting off work and in the basement a beer school, and everyone wanted to party <laughs> yeah, <laughs> was it, was, like, it was a little rough but he was yeah. dedicated and that's why he's good at what he does now so. yeah
2: well it's, it's nice to know kind of the steps uh that it takes you know for people to get to that point to where they are opening uh, their own brewery because I'm um, asking for my own sanity because Drew's at the point to where you're brewing how much what are your batches
1: I'm, I'm in the five gallon stage. Okay, so when yeah. he starts
2: to get to sixty, that's when I have that's to be worried that he's going to come to me and say, "Do
4: you want to open a brewery?"
2: Hey, no, five gallons you know is what? perfect.
4: How much can you drink? Oh, maybe maybe don't answer that. What you? I did want to say, you know, the Omaha beer scene is awesome. I mean, we've had assistance from so many of the breweries. Um, you ask any of the brewers or ask any of the owners for something, and you've got it. I mean, yep. If they can give it. They will. And so we're we're trying to do that as well and pass that along and just. You know, people come in with questions. We will definitely do what we can to help them. So
0: that's
2: yeah. awesome. That's a that's a common refrain we've heard from speaking with other breweries. Is that it's it's more community. It's not a competition. It's well, I think
0: the guild just recently was asking for mentors uh, as far as other you know, commercial breweries that are open right now. For breweries that are going to be opening. So I know, I think it's what heavy brewing. They're out of Gretna. 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 Um, they're going to be opening, and they were. We're kind of. I guess my dad volunteered to inter, to uh, mentor them.
4: And they, and they took the bait. Oh my God. <laughs> We're going to sink them so hard? No, no, the- no. honestly, I don't want them to make, you know, I just flat out told them guys, we met once, and I said, hey, I
1: don't want, the, I don't want you guys to make the mistakes that we did because it's just going to cost you time and money. Um, so you guys you guys talked about doing the beer fests around here, and I actually remember seeing you at Extreme Beer Fest when they did the homebrew section, oh, right? Oh, God. And so that would have been so uh, probably fun. three or four years ago. And, uh, yeah, so that was the first time I, I came into contact. What do contact we, have? What do we have on tap? I, man. Don't it, ask him any questions for I, the beer fest. You can't. I do you remember? I, don't, I remember <laughs> him nothing. Every year,
2: he's so diligent when we're first waiting in line. He's like, okay, we're going to hit up all these breweries. I'm going to take <laughs> my ridiculous. notes. I'm going to fill them all in. I'm ready to go. And then every every year, without fail, I lost my packet. I lost my pamphlet. <laughs> I like don't know where it is at. three
1: samples in, and I'm just, and it's just. Don't care. It's gone, yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. whatever, yeah. we're here to have fun. And, yeah, uh, you're there to have fun. Uh, well, so,
3: are you Are you allergic to. Uh, uh, shellfish? Shellfish. No. <laughs> okay. Well, I, the, I I think the last Extreme Beer Fest we served at before we, like. Went commercial. Went commercial. Well, we served. Thankfully, Infusion let us brew at Infusion and let us serve alongside them legally, right. How, what, three years ago or whatever. Yep. The last Beer Fest, Extreme Beer Fest, we served at, I think, as a home brewer, was uh, we had a beer called uh, Nautilus. Nautilus. And it was yep. a beer brewed with squid ink yep. instead of sea salt. It was a Go's.
0: So the squid ink adds, adds salinity to So the ghost. That's the reason I, I
3: asked if you, you were allergic. No. <laughs> He's <laughs> almost allergic to I sours, though. Yeah,
0: yeah, sours. So he would have avoided sours that. Sours that. Oh, you probably okay. squid, avoid squid
1: ink, okay. absolutely. But okay. once you say ghost, it's like, nah, okay. okay, well, yeah. right. well we <laughs> had to
0: ask people, like, do you have a cuttlefish allergy or something? Like, <laughs> shellfish. <laughs> and, yeah, know, people were like, paint. are you serious? No, no I'm like, I'm dead serious. No, we have to ask that because we don't want you, you know. Ex- we could, we could say, Maybe the- you <laughs> had too much beer here. It wasn't our fault, right? I would be but nervous
2: <laughs> to ask people at beer fest if they like cuddles. Yeah. Like I would just <laughs> be like, they'd be, they'd
4: be too
1: quick to be like, "Do you have an allergy to cuddles?" No, I love hugs. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so back then, you guys—did you guys have goals that you had set out um, at that time to accomplish? And then once you got shop set up here, did you see those evolve or change in any way?
0: I I don't know that we necessarily had goals. I think we I, think, we're I think Brad and I were like dead
3: set on on mimicking some of the favorite crazy commercial beers we had had and we were doing in my opinion a pretty darn good job of
0: yeah it. we kind of got known early on for a lot of our barrel age stuff you know it was uh we did a lot of barrel age stouts and stuff actually the first one we ever did it's we called it gus our our grandpa played at pittsburgh state gus gorilla so that was kind of why we named it what we did um but yeah we brewed that beer and it turned out awesome it was it was I think we still we, have a few bottles left of it. We've randomly
3: submitted it in like, <laughs> don't drink, um, don't drink beer. Yeah, it's another
0: podcast. Don't drink beer. Heard well, of it? Started all. out as
3: like a joke beer review or right. a comedy beer review or whatever. Right, but he's, but he's we blown submitted up a it lot. to that to like a twenty bottle blind taste test of like some, some of them. the best national vanilla barrel aged stouts, and we placed like seventh. Or 9th, 7th, or uh, something like that. But uh, Brad and I were just like, holy shit, man. We beat like, out
0: some beers that are very
3: well nationally known that were like, holy shit. And that so was, I, I think that, that, that was awesome. like, that was a, I mean, we already knew people liked their beer. That sounds like, it sounds thing. pretentious. You, you, not. you were pretentious
2: ah. back when you compared beer to fashion. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've already passed oh, that. So right. you're, you're fine. Yeah.
3: yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, let's just keep this train going then. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. I I don't know. I think he and I were like, all right, let's make beer now.
1: Um. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and do, do you guys feel any sort of pressure to, like, represent Elkhorn in any way? Or is there, like, a, is there a pride there? Or, or is it just, I mean, this is just home and, and this is where you want to be? They point to a mural. Yeah, yeah we, I mean, so, okay, yeah. so so if, I, as our as our listeners will be able to see, yeah. Yeah. we'll describe in yeah. detail. Close your eyes. Yeah. Starting from the <laughs> right side of the wall,
3: right. <laughs> um, I, I would say like from memory growing up, like it used to be like I, I remember farm fields, man. It never used to be like this this expansive. Uh, what what is it's becoming now? Um, so the mural that my mother just pointed to, like, kind of signifies like farmland and like small town. That's that's what we were. That's what we remember growing up as. And it's not like we're upset with, um, you know, expansion. growth or expansion, because yeah. um, honestly, that does bring us more business, and that's a good thing. So complaining about that would be um, stupid. Um. Counterintuitive to <laughs> yeah, be successful right. to some um, degree, but. We, we do want to hone in on, like, being a small-town, family-represented business. Um, and we try to keep that feel here. So I think we've made a pretty warm place in terms of, like, uh, the space we have here. And, um, and you know, obviously it's family-owned and operated. I You know, I'm middle child here, Kyle Jukes. I brew the beer. My older brother runs front of house. My little brother runs... Uh, the kitchen and my parents own the place So it's it is it is small town Family owned and operated like in the fullest extent so and I, I'm gonna let my dad touch more on that. I think because he knows this place way better than I do because he's old <laughs>
4: <laughs> Well,
3: he's barrel aged <laughs> He is he has been absolutely cellared properly <laughs>
4: Really? <laughs> All right. That's a great definition, I suppose. Uh, so being old beats the alternative, by the way. Yeah, yeah so right. I always okay. say that. So <laughs> it's okay to age. Um, you know, we we definitely wanted to, you know, stay in Elkhorn. We searched for a few years and um, purchased property in Ashland because we had kind of started to give up a little bit. Not give up. We were looking for a new outlet. And, well, you know, we wanted like a, we like wanted a, to move like a, the process like, forward. like a space. So, yeah. Okay. Um, and we
3: sat on that for a while.
4: So, and then so then we got you know when uh, when the current property became available to us, uh, we jumped on it and tried to um, salvage a building from the 30s uh, for about 18 months. Spent time on money on that, and finally, an engineer with with the company we were dealing with said. You're wasting your time and money. Why don't you uh, just make this decision to to take the building down? And that hurt. I mean, that it
3: was it did it, it, it hurt us and it hurt a lot of people around here because you still have a lot of like people who've lived here so for decades. Not only
4: you know? at you know so after getting that you know that news and then so we you know we sat on it for oh gosh that was another six to eight month delay before, you know we were like okay what are we going to do and so we just. You know, we just were in a little bit of shock because we had this idea that, hey, we want to be downtown Elkhorn. We want to be in this old building. We want to maintain that history. And so we salvaged, you know, we, we finally made that decision to, to raise the building, um, and we salvaged as much as we could. You know, we've got reclaimed wood from here.
3: Old tools. Oh, yeah, we've got a lot of stuff. Oil cans. You know, and I mean, everything we could. Merlin,
4: I believe, just turned 96. So when we bought it, it was Merlin's small engine repair. It was uh, his property for 67 years, I believe, of which 53 were small engine repair. The concrete you come in, you could see the pits in the concrete where he dropped his, his wrenches thousands of times. It was, you could see right where his workbench was and everything. It was, it was really cool. Um, And so we tried and tried and um, so that's you know the cre- Merlin's cream mail is an, is a nod to Merlin. I mean, Merlin Clintworth served in the military, a, a, a tough old bird, if you will, just one of those guys that no- nothing's impossible. So yeah, the real estate agent that we purchased from Dell Andreessen, Oh, we yeah. had known Dell for a long time uh, through church and, and just an Elkhorn family. Merlin's nephew. Merlin's nephew, and so. Um, I was communicating with Dell, and he said, "Hey, we'll you know we'd like to bring Merlin in. There'll probably be you know maybe ten, twelve, fifteen of us, and we'll come in for an hour. So, uh, I think it was thirty-seven people showed up and hung <laughs> and out for talking, like three we're hours. Like,
3: we're talking like Merlin and his wife.
4: Oh gosh, it was like, so awesome.
3: Like nieces, nephews, probably three,
4: generation, four three generations,
3: four generations. Yeah, great, great, grandchildren. I mean, it was so cool. Oh yeah, they and, had people
4: from South Dakota, I believe Minnesota. I mean, yeah. they were from." Several states that drove in. We had Merlin is. I mean, he's just a badass guy. Yeah, we had
3: we had like the last batch of Merlins that we brewed in our garage on like here, ready to pour for he and his family um, before we ever actually brewed it on a on a commercial scale. So it was just a it was a cool thing, and I mean, I I followed him around the whole time because I wanted to hear everything he had to say. Well
2: my next question is why I was naming a beer after Merlin important, but I think we covered that yeah. <laughs> did we co-
3: did we cover that <laughs> if you guys could
1: just yeah say a little more yeah. No, that's it's th- incredible if you have to make like such a tough decision to to alter the building you know completely change your plans and completely change you know this this place that you love that you call home that you want to integrate yourself even further um, into the community um you know that's a tough decision, but just to hear hear how you and, and Merlin connected and, and kind of like a baton, you know, passing yeah. on a, a, to a, to I, a family business. I loved business. it. Watching,
4: watching Merlin ask Kyle questions. He wanted to know how every piece of machinery in the brewery worked. He, Kyle, he said, well, tell me about the beer. And Kyle says, well, or how do you start the process? Kyle said, well, we got to get the grain here. And Merlin paused for just a beat and said, okay, and, and I think he probably wanted to say, all right, you young whippersnapper, <laughs> you little smart ass. Once the grain is here, how's the process started? So they went to the mill room and they just, you know, just walked through everything. And it was cool watching him and his family just, they were just, you know, I was soaking in them soaking it in. It was, it was awesome. It was a great day. Yeah. So.
2: You know, the reason that we we started this podcast was was to talk Husker football and and then it evolved Absolutely. into talking Husker football and talking about, we'll get to Husker football in a second. Guys, <laughs> chill. Guys, you're <throw laughs> another chair. Oh my gosh, there's so <laughs> many chairs flying around. Um, but we, we wanted to also talk about craft beer because Drew and I believe that it's instilled in part of the community and the, the, the labor and the love that goes into it and yeah. the creation behind it. And just to hear not only an individual, but a whole family speak to the reverence of the history of a community and how that goes into the poor and how that goes into the product that you're, you're giving to your community. And just, I mean, like that to me is like pure Nebraska. That is, that is what it means to be a member of a community. That's what it means to be a member of this state. That's what it means to just to be active and to, to go to sleep and, and feel like you earned that rest.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the brewing industry, uh, obviously a lot of hard work, but we didn't realize what we were getting into with this. Like it's, it's a lot more than we even expected. You know, you think brewery, it's like, Oh, that's fun. It's a great job. You know, you get to drink beer and you know, it's beer. That's great. But I, you know, the service industry as a whole, I know mental depression within the service industry. It's a, it's a tough industry to be in. You have to deal with a lot of things and stuff. And I didn't realize what we were getting into with all this, but like, I could say when we, together. yeah, well, and after, well, obviously COVID, you know, our first year of business, we dealt with a lot of issues with that, you know, as you had to shut down for two and a half to three months with that. And thankfully the community was very supportive with that. And we did, I mean, we told, sold a ton of crawlers during that and our, our, uh, our food or food business was amazing too. And Uh, That first week, we had two phone lines, and they were ringing off the hook every single Friday, Saturday night. It's just, we couldn't keep up. So, you know, voicemails and stuff saying, hey, we're trying to get through your phone lines. We can't, and obviously, that was a blessing for us, and uh, the next week, we had online ordering set up, and orders were coming through like crazy, and, you know, uh, just very appreciative of the community for how much they supported us through that and everything, so it was very rewarding. It was great to see how much we were supported and everything, but it was very tiring, you know, mentally and physically. And helped, we've so. used
3: the term, like, all hands on deck. We all got to be here, and I think we've made it um, made it happen, made it work.
2: So let's, let's move into talking about the University of Nebraska. Let's bridge the gap, right, uh, between beer and Nebraska football. Let's say Nebraska, University of Nebraska, finally comes to their senses, and they say, Jukes, we need you to make beer because we're going to serve beer on Saturdays at Memorial Stadium. What's the beer? Tell us about it.
3: Okay, so um, I'm calling Runza. I'm going to see if I can throw Runzas in the mash. Okay. Oh Lord! I'm going to see if the dude who uh, shoots hot dogs in the stands with Dervener Der Schlinger, Sh- yeah, Der Schlinger, uh, will come to the brewery. I'm then uh, going to have them him fire hot dogs into the boil <laughs> kettle. Uh, and then I'm going to see if Valentino's wants to come and dry pizza because it's not dry hop. Dry pizza uh, said beer with some, like, hamburger pizza. Um, and then we're going to put that on tap and in cans at the stadium. So I hope you guys uh, want Jukes Aleworks to participate that's, in that. Right. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. All right, all right, all right. So all you right. could chase that down with a shot of Dorothy Lynch. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're all set. Oh. Did I miss anything?
2: <laughs> no, I think that's, that's what they serve, right? And it's like... I, I think I touched on it.
1: It was weird. Right. I was it was like I was sitting in Memorial Stadium <laughs> yeah, right. on game day. Okay. Probably okay. All right. A wouldn't ra- be sour. a raspberry
0: hefeweizen. Maybe that would be good. Ooh, ooh, there, there
1: you go. go. be nice. Okay. Yeah.
3: yeah, I guess I should move on to someone else now. I'm gonna shut I
1: up. I think Brad just took your your brewing job right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going out no. of business if
0: that's the case, but <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think
1: it's your turn to ask a question. Yeah, yeah, let's let's talk about um the future now. Uh next season. We want to hear some some record predictions from you guys? What are you looking forward to? I know we we lost the AD. Um, does Scott Frost have a job after this year? Is it on the line? How's he gonna How's he gonna do? How's the team gonna do? Okay. Gentlemen, I have to be completely honest. I don't I don't do like
3: other sports really. I don't follow NFL. I don't do any of that. Um, but I do love Husker football. Um, but I I don't. Follow them in depth enough to like actually know what's what might happen. Let's be confident. Let's be. What do we how many games? Twelve games. Twelve <laughs> games? Twelve games. Twelve games. Twelve games. <laughs> 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 All right, we're gonna be like we're gonna be like nine for seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. All right. Okay. I'll
2: take there that. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> I'll take, take it. I'd take nine wins. Here? We'll <laughs> take nine wins. Something I'll take about those wins.
1: numbers, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Who's who's next? Brad, Brad? you got one.
0: Oh boy. Uh, you know, let's go. Let's go eight and four. Eight and yeah, four. Yeah, yeah let's all go right. eight and four.
1: Where where are your losses?
0: Ooh, let's see who all we play this year. Ohio State.
1: Oklahoma's a Oklahoma's a top eight. Oklahoma's a, right?
0: Yeah, definitely Oklahoma. Um, you got Mich- yeah. Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa.
2: Some of the tougher ones. Northwestern. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go uh-huh.
0: Michigan. How's Minnesota look this year? I know they've been pretty good lately. They return
2: a lot of talent. Uh, their top wide receiver's gone, went to the draft, but they've got a decent defensive Morgan, line. I think. They have Tanner Morgan, who's an experienced quarterback. Yeah, I'll
0: you know, we'll go Minnesota. Okay. That'll be the fourth loss. That's all right. That's yeah.
2: that's a win against Wisconsin. That's
0: a win against Iowa in your books. Yeah, and I will take both it. of those. Yeah. I just want a win against Iowa. Can we, can we do that this year? Yeah, yeah I it's, think it's beat Iowa. everyone wants a win against that's, Iowa. That's all I want. That alone makes it a semi-successful year. Just a win against Iowa. Terry, you're being called out for your for right. your.
1: I'm going to be confident and say the same as Brad, eight and four. I like it. Yep. We'll take we'll take eight and four. All right, guy. Um,
4: I'm going to say seven and twelve. No, I'm going to say <laughs> seven and five. I'm a little nervous. I'd love to see twelve and zero, but I want them to play their hearts out, give it all they got, and have fun.
2: Yeah. So we've got nine they and got. seventeen.
1: Eight and four. No, not, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. It was nine out of 17. Nine so let's be no, very clear. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought he was I just, he's if, shooting free throws. Yeah. <laughs> the eight and four, eight and four. Yeah. Eight We're,
4: and four, eight and
2: four, seven and five, nine.
1: <laughs> Somehow.
2: Nine and Drew's something. at seven and five. I, I guess just, I'm at seven and five as well. I, th- I think that that's, that's reasonable. I'm, I'm in the same boat as Drew where we got to win down the stretch. So if we take five on the front half and And in the last four, we went to, I think that's a a nice season. Well, guys, we appreciate you taking the time uh, again uh, on on a Monday where you guys are closed to uh, regale us and to to share some information and and talk to us about uh, everything that Jukes is. We really appreciate the conversation. It's been an absolute blast. The beer was delicious. We didn't even really, Drew and I didn't get to our point where we're reviewing the beer on this, but we didn't have to because it it all went down way too easy. Oh, yeah, it was fantastic. So thank you guys so much for taking the time. And, uh, yeah.
4: Yeah thank, yeah, thank you. We appreciate. Hey. Thank you for
3: coming guys. Appreciate yeah. it.
4: Perfect. Go big
0: red.
1: Yeah, go big red. Go big. Go big red. red. Drink big red. We have <laughs> a up, 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 up. We have a we do a we have a sign off. It's it's drink big red and I and it, I'm supposed to be able to say it. Yeah. <laughs> three words. Drink big red.
2: Well, we hope you enjoyed uh, our, our time talking to the Jukes family. They were an absolute treat to sit down and chat with.
1: Yeah, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. And they were very welcoming and, and knowledgeable about Elkhorn, right, as, yeah. we, as we heard there. so
2: And not to mention, they make incredible beer. Absolutely. Everything they brought to the table was was wonderful. Um, they even brought us some stuff that hasn't been released yet, that hasn't been dropped yet. And I don't even think it has a name yet.
1: Just pure hospitality all around and, and- and we couldn't be happier to have, yeah. have gotten their time.
2: You need to go check them out in Elkhorn. They are they are in the old town Elkhorn. They've got a beautiful new building all to themselves. You really need to go check them out. They are a wonderful spot, and they are a great addition to that community.
1: Yep, do it. I went back already since the interview, and I am not sorry about it. No. Before we say goodbye, we want to give you, our loyal listeners, another chance to win our season-long prize package, including a game used Nebraska football and local brewery
2: swag. For this week's entry, email wannabewalkons at gmail.com with the Nebraska Big Ten East prediction. Will they go 3-0, and 0-3, and or somewhere in between? And remember, only one entry per episode, and you don't have to be correct to win. And please make sure to include your first and last name in your email entry.
1: Okay, so that does it for this week. We want to thank the Jukes family for having us out and sharing their incredibly delicious beer with us over some really excellent conversation Uh, We also want to thank everyone who tuned in to this week's episode. If you have anyone you think would enjoy a listen, we would truly appreciate your recommendation.
2: We also want to welcome the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild into the Wannabe Walk-Ons family, as the guild has welcomed us into theirs. If you have any Nebraska breweries you would like us to sample on the show, visit wannabewalkons.com to submit your recommendation.
1: And don't forget to follow us on social media at wannabewalkons.com. And subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Tune in next week as we sip some more of that local good good and continue
2: our 2021 season preview with the first half of Nebraska's Big Ten West opponents. It wouldn't
1: be goodbye if we didn't say, drink Big Red. Drink Big Red.